all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center in Jackson, Mississippi. This is a program where you can call in with any question or comment that you might have about anything medical with yourself or with your family, or maybe it's a friend. It might be a new medication that you've been put on. Maybe it's a new symptom or a new diagnosis that you didn't quite get enough information on from your physician or your healthcare provider. We are here to help you today. We're going to try to get you that information and those answers to your questions or try to point you in the right direction if it's a little bit more than we can handle on the air. We are here to serve you in the state and uh, surrounding states of Mississippi with Southern Remedy. The number to call today if you have a question is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Hope everybody's having a good summer. A lot of challenges out there right now. Certainly we have our uh, what seems from day-to-day insurmountable challenges of covid uh, cases, particularly the Delta variant, which is surging uh, in Mississippi and uh, some of the surrounding states. Um, there's a lot of things that we can do to uh, help uh, mitigate that, and certainly we are seeing a lot of patients in the hospital. I know here at UMC we've got about 100 of patients that are admitted to the hospital, both adults and pediatric patients, uh, filling up rapidly and sort of stretching resources uh, about what we can do. There are some things that you can do. We'll talk about those uh, in just a little bit, um, but uh, we want to encourage you to uh, to call us today, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Summertime heat too is big uh, is a big issue. So there's a lot of things that uh, that you might can uh, uh, need to certainly to uh, keep in mind. Um, about uh, uh, the heat in different areas. And uh, we've had our own share of uh, uh, triple digits uh, with the heat indexes over the last few weeks. Um, There are a number of stations, of cooling stations, um, in the surrounding areas that you might want to check out. So those, uh, if you go to uh, your local government pages or uh, just call those numbers, they may be able to tell you if you're having some problems there. And there's also some assistance Uh, with some of those areas. But if you're going to be outside, it's almost impossible. I was talking to a couple of patients about this um, over the last few weeks. Uh, If you're trying to get some exercise outside, it's almost impossible, particularly if you're doing it at the hottest time of the day, to keep hydrated. You're losing so much water uh, through sweat, and you're really not able to cool down effectively, particularly if you're outside for much more than 45 minutes. So if you can limit that time to early day, 
later in the day, really even later in the day, we're still up around 90 degrees with 90% or 90 plus percent humidity. A little bit of a respite these last couple of days, but just uh, keep that in mind. The number to call for your questions about your health care is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Dr. Jimmy. Yes, sir. I uh, got kind of an interesting question. I was just thinking about, you know, the I've been watching a lot of the Olympics, and Simone Biles has been in the news, uh, She some mental issues, uh, some mental health issues. She took some time off. But also uh, we learned a new term, the twisties, and that's where a gymnast – when they're in the middle of a vault, you know, sort of loses spatial awareness and it can be kind of dangerous because they can't figure out where they are. What medically would cause that sort of thing to happen while a, while an athlete's in the middle of a, of a vault like that? Yeah, that's a You know, we learned so much with the Olympics with different training mechanisms and certainly medical diagnoses. And, uh, you know, those of you who have been following uh, Simone Biles, as Kevin just outlined, Kevin Farrell, our producer, by the way, is the mystery voice uh, popping in there. So uh, helps us to, to uh, do what we do week after week. Um, so, yeah, so the twisties refers to and an sort of a disconnect, the twisting movements that gymnasts have to do um, in how you're able to coordinate that in your brain. So, you know, they practice day in and day out. They're practicing these different routines and these different moves. So that their body, you know, you don't really think through those. It's almost like learning a musical instrument and people who do that, they play, I play piano. I don't think about in every individual note. It's just that I have played it, you know, I've practiced and I've gotten my body and the nervous system hooked up to those muscles such that there are certain patterns that I can look at on a sheet of music. And then my brain interprets that and sends those out to my fingers. Same thing with gymnasts. Now, there can be other medical conditions that might affect that, although I think Simone Biles, in, in her case, as it's been uh, reported to us by her and by the medical uh, staff and uh, Olympic, uh, U.S. Olympic Committee, is that this is a mental uh, sort of disconnect right now. And certainly you can, if you think about that, this is something that could happen in a lot of different professions, particularly if you're, we have it in the medical profession that, if you're tired, if you're stressed out, and you're about to do a surgery, the ethical thing to do would be to pull out and say, "I'm not going to do that right now." Which kudos to Simone, even in the Olympics, that if she, you know, if it's an unsafe thing to do, you certainly want to wouldn't want to put yourself through that. But the other medical conditions that can impact that, that I don't think in this particular case are causing it, is the semicircular canals in the inner ear. So you have these canals that are right close to the hearing apparatus in the inner ear. So it's inside, uh, really close to the brain. They are in three different orientations. So these these canals are a, uh, it almost looks like if you've been out west and seen sort of a uh, rock formation, like a bridge and arches national park. It's three of those inside the ear, very small. And they have fluid, and they have little hairs, and then they have these little rocks. We call them otoliths, and those rocks move around in that fluid. And depending on how they're moving around, they tell your body, they give it information of where you are in space. So are you up, down, ways, and what kind of rotational movements are going on. In addition to that, your body has different um, centers uh, further out 
that really give you feedback about where you are. Uh, for instance, if you close your eyes and you raise your hand, you know your hand's raised, not necessarily because of your inner ear, but because of the feedback that you're getting from those muscles. So all of this gets coordinated by different centers of the brain so that we can know where we are in space. And that's particularly critical for a gymnast because they want to not only perform accurately, but also do it safely. So if there's a disconnect, either from a medical reason or if it's that your brain is just not, if you think about how fast that your brain has to do those different steps and sort of program that information in, there's a lot of things that might be affecting that. Certainly, you know, for a lot of people right now, COVID and some of the different ways, even for an experienced gymnast like Simone Biles, um, there are so many different things that are different this year about the Olympics and World that could impact that. And think about that, too. That's why we have timeouts for physicians, for nurses, for other medical staff. It's why we have it for uh, people who operate heavy machinery, airline pilots. There's all kinds of different situations where sometimes you need to take a timeout from what you're doing in order to do it safely and accurately in the way that you're trained. It has nothing to do necessarily with that individual, but we're all in those kinds of disciplines, and sports is no different um, you know, trained to do that. And thankfully, we've got a lot more recognition of that that, that keeps both the athlete safe and um, everyone else safe around them. Great right. question. Great point there, Kevin. Thanks, Dr. Jimmy. We've got our first caller on the line. It's our friend Roger calling in from Florence. All right, Roger, thanks for calling. What's your question today? Well, I've had foot cramps, foot cramps for years. And I, uh, I complain about it every year or more often when I go to my general uh, physician at university and uh, but nothing's ever solved or done and uh, it's not a matter of hydration uh, so I don't know what to do about it and I don't know if there's a specialist that can look into those things I did years ago have a uh, foot drop problem that I discovered and I had electronic whatever it is, I guess it's ultrasound testing done over, over at uh, Spine and, and then I went through some therapy, and I don't have a foot drop problem anymore. That was one foot. But uh, and I think before then I can't recall having foot cramps, so I don't know if that's a valuable hint or not. But, but it's at least ever since then, which was eight years ago maybe or more, uh, I uh, very frequent, almost every night, uh, wake up several times with uncontrollable uh, foot cramps. My foot will, usually it's pointing to one side or the other, both feet. If I, if I, if I go through the luxury of stretching in the morning, just, you know, wake up and stretch, oh gosh, I go into terrible, terrible cramps. I have to hop out of bed stand there till my feet straighten out and walk around a little bit and it goes away. That's, I think, a description of the symptoms. There's one other hint. I have, and this is maybe totally unrelated, I don't know, but I can look at my calves when I'm relaxed or even, I guess, otherwise, But and there's a twitching, a surface twitching, very obvious twitching that goes on. And I don't yeah. have any idea whether that's related. Okay. So I'm listening. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so Roger, that is a uh, very good description, by the way, of the symptoms, because I was going to ask those questions, and you uh, did a great job of doing that. Um, if they've been going on this long, of course, there's a, as you probably know, uh, but other listeners may not, you know, muscle cramps in any part of the body, it's not always as simple as a dehydration problem or electrolyte imbalance. Certainly, those are things that you can test for, and if you see them, you can replace that and some of the major players there are sodium potassium and magnesium however if you know once you sort of cross those things off the list then you start to think about uh, the way that if there's is there a problem with the muscle itself is there a problem with uh, the the connection between the nerves going to that muscle the nerve in plate or is there a central nervous system problem and a lot of these different muscle cramp issues, particularly if, in their, if, if they're in your feet, and particularly if they happen at night or early morning than other times, can be uh, from sort of a neural, the, the, the nerve connection problems. So I, here's what I would suggest, and you may have already gone down this pathway, a, a neuromuscular specialist. So these are neurologists that have a little bit more expertise uh, that's probably the next person I would see. And another thing to investigate, sometimes you can have muscle cramps related to sleep disorders. Uh, so it's not too uncommon to have the same symptoms that pop up just by themselves, even without disturbances in your sleep or how well rested you feel the rest of the day. But restless leg syndrome and some variants of that, you may not have the other symptoms, but you may just have the muscle cramps. There are some ways to diagnose that through sleep studies, but I think a combination approach, particularly if it's been going on this long, a lot of neuromuscular specialists are really good at looking at that. They may even go so far as, you know, if you're willing to, to go the route, that there's a small invasive procedure where they actually take a piece of that muscle and the nerve and they look at that to see, do some tests on that. So it's a small biopsy to try to, to tease out what exactly is going on. There are some some acquired conditions later in life that those muscle and nerve connections that may um, may be uh, you know manifesting itself with those with those uh, symptoms. But I think if you've been going if you've been going on eight years, if you haven't seen a neuromuscular specialist, I think I would I would see that person particularly if you've had a foot drop to before, even if that's got better with physical therapy, there may be a problem with that, that they just haven't gotten a good diagnosis on yet. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart with you this morning answering your questions about any kind of medical uh, item or symptom or uh, just a general question you have about your own health care. We would love to hear from you this morning. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Dr. Jimmy, Bill has joined us on the line from Oxford. All right, Bill, thank you for calling. What's your question this morning? Uh, good afternoon. Good morning. I was just the last guy that called with the um, foot cramp problem. Um, I had that same problem. It was terrible. And I, I like him, it was going on for years. And uh, my wife is a nurse practitioner, and she reviewed my medication and said, I think this is it. And it was my high blood pressure medication. Um, she said that I should uh, go to my doctor, call my doctor and talk to him about it. And we talked about it. He cut it in half and uh, cut it to three days a week. And, and my blood pressure is fine. And those cramps never return. But yeah, and I don't know if he's on that on that medication or not. But if he might want to try that first, if if he is, if he's on high blood, I don't know who isn't on high blood pressure medication in this city. <laughs> you're right. It's a lot of people. Um, yeah, you're right. Uh, so I should have said that too. Medications can often be a culprit for a number of symptoms, and that's actually one of the things I, I look at is a patient's medication list. Um, even over-the-counter or herbal, you know, uh, supplements can sometimes cause some of the symptoms. And it may not be inherently something that you would think about either. I mean, there are a number of blood pressure medications that work on different systems of the body, particularly in the kidney, to help regulate blood pressure. And uh, you may have a side effect of that. One of the good things about hypertension management is that uh, we've got a lot of different classes of uh, blood pressure medication. So if one thing causes you problems, uh, most of the time we can switch. So, Bill, that's an excellent idea, and certainly reviewing medications. Even if you've been on the same medications for years, uh, things can pop up for whatever reason, um, and you may need a change in those. So that's I'm glad you got some relief with that. Certainly for Roger, uh, we would hope that uh, – you know, the physicians have looked at that, and uh, but he may want to bring that up, too. You're right. And, you know, blood pressure, uh, unfortunately, because of lifestyle changes and because of, you know, sort of what we eat and inactivity, most of our population, by the time that we're 50 to 60 years old, uh, are going to deal with blood pressure uh, uh, problems, uh, particularly as it relates to our risk of stroke and heart attack. So you're right. That's very common. And uh, even other, you know, uh, other different uh, chronic disease problems that we have. If you're a diabetic, if you have uh, cholesterol problems, lots of other medications that might uh, be affecting or working uh, in conjunction with one another. That's why you really need somebody that's looking at all of that. We have clinical pharmacists too that help us out with that. So I'm a real big proponent of having a team approach um, and certainly looking at those kinds of, of things that might cause symptoms. So. Thank you, Bill. Glad you got some relief with making those changes, and thank you for sharing that. Yes, sir. I hope it works for him. Thank you. Thank you. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Dr. Jim, we got another caller on the line. Okay. Let's say good morning to uh, Joe, who is on the road this morning. Hey, Joe. Thank you for calling. Thank you, and thanks for taking my call. Uh, I, I have a problem about gout. 
I was diagnosed with gout uh, way back in 1992 when I was in the military. And they have given me different kinds of medications like allopurinol and uh, uric, uh, uloric. Uh-huh. And I'm and I didn't got off of both of them because mainly all you know most of my joints I didn't had surgeries on both of my elbows to remove some of the uh, fluid and the gouty acid or whatever they call it. And I'm just wondering what's the best medication to really take to kind of rid myself of of those lumps and bumps that's under my skin of stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So it, for those of you who don't know, gout's one of the most troubling and uh incessant things that you can deal with and it's it can cause a lot of pain uh in multiple joints and different tissues of your body basically our body is it, it normally gets rid of a breakdown a muscle uh, product and a, uh, it's a protein uh breakdown product called uh uric acid and yes. everybody has uric acid and so the the problem comes when either your body produces too much of that or it can't get rid of it. So your kidneys usually is the main way that it can get rid of that. Um, if you have gout with the production of too much of that or you've got, you know, kidney problems, a lot of uh, secondary gout comes up if, you know, chronic uh, kidney disease just because your kidneys can't filter that out in an appropriate way. What happens is this uric acid, it starts to, it's, it's dissolved in our in our plasma in our bodies, and once you get to levels that are really high, it's sort of like uh, you know those old sort of uh, grade school experiments at science fairs where you start to add more sugar to solutions or more salt to solutions, and you reach a point where you saturation and they start coming out in crystal form, and these little uric acid crystals under a microscope they look like little needles. And they accumulate in joint spaces and cause a lot of pain. They accumulate underneath our skin. They can accumulate in our kidneys, uh, collection systems as uh, kidney stones, and they just cause a lot of pain. So the different ways to treat it, if you're having a gout attack, like an attack right then and there, there are several different medications that can be given to help with that attack. And these can be things like colchicine, uh, that interfere with the actual production of uric acid and sort of cut down on that. Um, there are other medications, certainly uh, ibuprofen and uh, naproxen can help somewhat with the pain. Uh, the, there's a couple of other things that you can take too. Steroids do work too with a lot of the inflammation and also with the reduction of uric acid production. But the way to prevent it is really to think about that mechanism. Now, you know, Joe, you've, you've received some information about the foods that are higher in uric acid, so there's a lot of them out there. Um, and usually most people, if you've had it since 92, you know the things that might set you off. You know, for instance, yes. if you well, go my, and my, go ahead. My, uh, I think everybody has what, what you call triggers. Uh, yeah. My triggers I have learned throughout the years is uh, I found one to be cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Another one is uh, beef or pork liver. Mm -hmm. And yeah. anytime I eat a lot of gravy. Uh, but everything else, beans, alcohol, uh, has no really effects on it. It's just, I think I talk to a lot of people, and everybody's sort of different what triggers their gout attacks. Right, right. Now, yeah, you're right. Have, and, and you know right off the bat, like uh, you know if you eat some, uh, you know, or a little.
of something that's your your own trigger, you're going to have some problems. Yes. So, so back to your question, the, the two medications you mentioned act in similar ways to help uh, prevent those gout attacks. So both allopurinol and euloric are uh, medications that can help decrease the production of uric acid in your body. You have to take those every day. If you don't take them every day and at the appropriate dose, it really doesn't work too well. You can't really wait until you have a gout attack. It doesn't really, they're not really designed to work that way. So um, that can help. Now, once you start to accumulate these in different places, it's really, that's much more difficult to deal with. So as you mentioned, like all the accumulated uric acid crystals in your joints, underneath your skin, uh, we call those TOFI. They're really hard, almost rock hard deposits. You can get them on your ear. You can get them on the back of your elbows or in other places on your body. Once they're deposited underneath the skin, you really there's not much you can do for those. You can help prevent more deposition of it by taking lauric or allopurinol. But um, that's what I would recommend if you if you're not on anymore, going back to to try to prevent it. Now, if it's in a place that's noticeable, a lot of times a dermatologist or a plastic surgeon can remove those deposits. Um, you know, you might have a little bit of a scar there depending on where they are or they'll drain them out. But it's really about, you know, the only the only thing that you can really do is to try to prevent any more. Once they're deposited underneath the skin or in joint spaces, there's really not much to uh, that you can do for those. You can start try to drain them off. Sometimes that works, but they're just, it really does look like little needles when you look at them underneath the microscope. Yeah, I have uh, both my elbows. I had to have surgery to remove it quite a few mm -hmm. years ago, and left some pretty bad, you know, scars. The doctor yeah. only said it'll, it'll be very minor, but uh, it didn't happen like that, <laughs> of yeah. course. But And we I, did, I, and, we, and we went through several years of draining my elbows out. Right. It got to the point it caused a lot of uh, scar tissue, I think is what the doctor called it. So I still got some puffiness on one of my elbows now. Yeah. But I was wondering, which is the best medicine to, I guess, to prevent the buildup of the TOFI? Would it be allopurinol or euloric? Really either one of them. Now, some people have some side effects with the allopurinol, and euloric works a little bit better. And somebody like yeah. yourself, I might even go to you back to euloric just because it's a little bit more powerful, and I'd probably go to the maximum dose that you could, yeah. you know, that they could prescribe. But I do think you're probably going to have to be on that every day if you've had that much problems with gout. And unfortunately, some people do. Some a lot lighter. You know, they may have a gout attack once every six months. But it sounds like you've had a lot of deposition over the years. And I would think you probably need to get back on your loric at the highest dose you can tolerate. I think so, too. Well, I appreciate your help. That's what I wanted to know because I got off because, like you said, some of the side effects, it was causing rashes, causing uh -huh. hives. Yeah. Uh, had so many issues, but once I got off of everything, I still get some rashes now, but I don't think it's coming from the medication. It just comes from allergic reactions, maybe. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I got off of it about a, a about one year ago, just to see how would my body react without that medication. Right. So I appreciate your help on uh, with this. Oh, you're welcome. I hope that I hope that helps. I, I hate that you have gout. Like I said, I've had many patients that have had it, and uh, it's no joke. It really cause you some grief. <laughs> oh, yes, it will. 
Hey, uh, all right. Remember, your most famous gout attack is always your big toe. That's the first one. That's right. And it will set you down. Yep. Yeah, we we call that pedagra, pedagra, and that's that's almost uh, you know that's sort of a telltale sign if you're having it right there. That's usually one of the first places that people have. It. Yeah. Okay, All right. Man. Thanks for your help, sir. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy Stewart with you this morning answering your questions about any kind of health care issues that you might have. Got some great questions so far, as we always do, from our callers. Uh, if you'd like to call this morning, you can reach us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. So back to uh, some COVID-related issues. I got a lot of uh a lot of questions about that. A lot of, you know, certainly once we have more things that come in, more knowledge, more changing of uh, the variant, certainly you're going to have a situation where you're going to have uh, some of the recommendations change. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are a little skeptical of that. They're like, okay, well, wait a minute. We said that we didn't have them, and now we've had more cases. And um, really that's almost entirely uh, because of a new variant, the Delta variant that I think everybody's heard about that is much more contagious than the, the previous variants. It's about as contagious as chickenpox. So if you're not aware of how contagious chickenpox is, if you put a child that, uh, or a person that has chickenpox in a room uh, with other people, close the door, uh, about uh, eight other people in a room uh, you know, in a room that, uh, that in just a, in any size room really, uh, are gonna, that are around that pe- person is going to get chicken pox. About the same kind of thing with a Delta variant. With our previous variants, it's about, you know, anywhere from two to four times as less contagious. So it's just a lot more contagious. So think about that and try to protect yourself as best you can. Certainly nobody wants to, to, uh, to, have to go back to isolating. We've certainly seen a lot of different uh, problems with that, but you, you know, you have to sort of weigh the risk benefit there. And that's basically what our healthcare officials in the state and the nation are trying to do. What we do know is that vaccinations do work, um, particularly the messenger RNA uh, vaccinations of Moderna and Pfizer here in the United States. Uh, of the people who have gotten the Delta variant that have been vaccinated, it's been much less of the people who have been vaccinated that have ended up getting the Delta variant. 
about uh, out of all the people in the state right now, about 94% are unvaccinated. And of that other 6% or so, they, uh, even if they get this uh, Delta variant, they've had much less symptoms, much less likely to be hospitalized, and uh, much less likely to be on in the ICU or be on a ventilator. So even if you do catch this because it's so much more um, infectious as a variant, uh, you are protected by the vaccines. So I would, uh, you know, admonish all of y'all. I know we've got a, a, a lot of uh, other people are sort of still holding out on that. Um, and certainly we need to think about all ages because 12 to 18, we're starting to see a lot of our patients are admitted to the pediatric ICU uh, are a lot younger uh, and uh, certainly can have some both short-term and long-term effects from COVID. So uh, there's plenty of opportunity to get vaccinated for 12 years of age and up. Lots of good safety data on these vaccines. Um, certainly they do protect you against the short-term and long-term uh, consequences of COVID. So I would, I would, if you haven't looked into that, really think about it. Talk to your physician about it or others who have gotten vaccinated or others who have uh, dealt with COVID, unfortunately, uh, who weren't vaccinated and uh, uh, try to protect yourself and others through that. Because one thing we do know about uh, a much more infectious variant, it's going to require a lot more people to be vaccinated now than it would have uh, with the previous variant. So that's my spill about that. Um, certainly look into it. Uh, make sure that your data is uh, accurate and that you're getting the information through uh, good means. I know a lot of people have had lots of stories out there on social media. When you really look into them, there's not much validity to uh, uh, around it. So um, I trust the vaccine. Certainly I've been vaccinated and my family has been. But one of the other things I should bring up too is the booster. Uh, so a lot of people are asking about that. So uh, as we did, you know, with uh, particularly with a lot of different variants um, and in certain populations, we do know that the natural immune system uh, wanes with time, and it just depends on whatever agent that is. Some immunity lasts almost a lifetime, but we've always known that as you get older or if you have other chronic health conditions, particularly that impact your immune system, that you can get things that you were previously immune to, and the same thing goes for vaccinations. So it is now recommended that in our higher-risk population, those over 65, particularly those whose immune systems have been impacted either with things like chemotherapy or if they have immunologic conditions, autoimmune conditions that they're receiving therapy for. These are all individuals that would benefit from getting a booster vaccine uh, to try to increase their immunity to COVID. So uh, uh, you, if you think you're, you're in that age category or risk category, your physician about that because we're starting to get a lot of those uh, booster vaccines out. We want to try to protect everybody in the best way that we can. This is Southern Remedy. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can also email us. You send those, uh, just send those emails to remedy at mpbonline.org. And you can also check out previous programs. We do archive those there. We also have a Search for Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. You can check us out there. Uh, it takes about 24 hours to get those up, but if you missed a part of a program, you can always go back and listen to that 
We encourage you to do that through mpbonline.org. Um, other things that are going on health-wise, you know, we mentioned uh, heat stroke or certainly heat-related uh, illnesses. Uh, there are certainly other things that you should be checking out right now, and a lot of people have just now come back around to sort of getting those routine health checks that they uh, should have been getting, uh, um, you know, except for COVID. Uh, I know that sort of sidelined a lot of those normal visits. I want to encourage you to do that. There's certainly lots of different things that if you catch early, you can really make a big impact on. If you wait, even sometimes months uh, delay, that can be a huge risk to yourself. One of those is colon cancer, certainly getting a routine colonoscopy um, after age 50 now, uh, even earlier for that, particularly if you've had a, a relative who's had colon cancer, you want to get those as uh, as early as you can. And then based on any kind of findings that they have with polyps, they may want to do that on a three, five, or 10-year cycle um, so to try to catch those early cancerous lesions er uh, at the earliest point to try to prevent colon cancer and all of its bad effects down the line. Uh, I've heard way too many stories of individuals who unfortunately have had delay or chosen to delay medical care and now are sort of uh, uh, facing diagnoses that are much more advanced, whether it's cancer or whether it's uh, chronic diseases that have been sort of pushed to the sideline in the last couple of months. So I uh, just encourage you to do that. There's lots of different ways that you can connect with physicians now. Certainly, this has been a great opportunity for telehealth, but um, I would not delay if you delayed things for about a year, and particularly if you have some worried about, go ahead and reach out to your physician or your uh, healthcare provider to try to get that looked into. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Join us each week for Everyday Tech on MPB Think Radio. We have an IT expert, a computer repair ace, and we troubleshoot your problems on the phones as well. Everyday Tech, Wednesdays at 10 on MPB Think Radio. Download the podcast now or listen on YouTube on the MPB Think Radio channel. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy on Think Radio. Dr. Jimmy with you this morning answering your calls and questions about your health care needs. We've got uh, Sandra, who I believe has been waiting on the line. Good morning, Sandra. Thank you for calling. Good morning. Hey, um, I have been told I'm 64, and I have been told I need to get the shingles vaccine before I'm 65, so it will be free, um, because um, I'll to protect me from getting shingles because I most likely had chicken pox when I was a child, but I did not have the chicken pox. My older brother, who was with him, like a couple of years older than me, he did have them. I was in the same house with him. I never got the chicken pox. I don't want to take the shingles vaccine if I don't have to. Is there a possibility I've just got a natural immunity to it? And also yes. my daughter, my daughter, when she had them, 
she was in kindergarten, and I never caught them from her. Yeah, so so the so there's two different issues here. So you can get exposure to chicken pox and not develop the full blown illness. So you know, and it's you know because we vaccine against this now, there's not a whole lot of chicken pox out there that people are familiar with. But basically, all the little crusty lesions that you get, usually around the scalp line, and then it's sort of it's a centrifugal rash, meaning that it it starts on the trunk and the head and then goes outward from there along with fever, can have some bad complications with it, like pneumonia. Uh, but, yeah, some people will get exposed and not have any. have only one or two lesions. Other, uh, you know, other people have many more. Um, so if we assume that you were exposed to it either from your brother or from your another family member or a friend even, then, yeah, you may have developed an immunity to it. The problem with shingles is not that you don't have any immunity. It's that your immunity goes away after a while. And varicella virus, which is the virus that causes chickenpox, is a weird virus. Like, it, it basically, after that first round of having chickenpox, it doesn't totally go away from your body. It hides out in nerve cells in your spinal cord. And then years or decades later, for whatever reason, if you're stressed out or if you've got the decreased immunity because of other things that are going on, a, a, uh, the chickenpox virus, the varicella virus, will come back out in the same kind of way, but just in that one nerve root. So that's why it, it occurs in that sort of pattern if you've seen people that had shingles. So they had that infection or they were exposed to chickenpox earlier in life. And now, because of their decreased immunity, which has been keeping it in check from popping back out, that's the point where it comes back out. So regardless of if you had it before, um, it really is not about that. It's about the shingles is that secondary infection you get because your immune system uh, goes away over time. And we know that having chicken pox like myself, I had chicken pox pretty intense. Uh, I was in the hospital as a kid uh, with pneumonia for it. Um, even that kind of exposure later in life, you know, you can, that immunity may go away. And that's the whole reason for getting this. It's really the shingles vaccine is really a booster vaccine. Now, let's say you never got it. Um, still work because it's basically giving your body these signals to say, if you see this chick chicken pox virus, uh, whether it's chicken pox or if it's shingles, same virus, then you'll have the ability to mount up an immune response to that, produce antibodies, and not have it pop out. If you were never exposed to it before, uh, you wouldn't get shingles as an initial um, infection. You'd get the chicken pox. So either way, it's a great way to prevent it. If you've known people that had shingles, it's really miserable. And that's the another reason why some people will say, well, can I just get tested to see if I have antibodies against chicken pox? Well, you can. But even if you had that, the immunity we know goes away as you get older. So that's the whole reason why giving it at this age range, you know, between about 50 to 65 is about the time we start to see some of that immunity go away that you had earlier in life. Is there side effects to the shingles vaccine? So pain at the side of it, injection. Some people get one or two little chicken pox-like lesions where they inject it. The newer, um, the newer chicken pox vaccine that's out, uh, which is most everybody has sort of shifted over to that, 
much cleaner, much few side effects. Some people have a little bit of a low-grade fever. Or they'll feel sort of muscle ache, sort of similar to what you have if you get, you know, like a flu vaccine uh, or COVID vaccine for that matter. But um, other than that, I haven't seen a whole lot, if any, you know, side effects to it. All right. Well, thank you so much. That helps. Yeah. Yes, ma'am, and uh, good luck to you. That's a great question too, because that's a that's a common uh, you know question that comes up between shingles and pox. And uh, but uh, and another thing is most vaccinations. I think people think of them as one big category, and there are many different types of vaccinations, many different reasons why we give vaccinations at different time periods because of the highest risk. Uh, for instance. Some of the vaccinations we give to children are because they're at a much higher risk for certain diseases that before we had those, we saw a lot of. Meningitis was one of those, pneumococcal disease, Haemophilus influenza type B. All of these are bacteria and viruses that caused problems, um, you know, 50, uh, 60 years ago, and they don't really from the environment. You can culture these right, you know, on, on people. It's just that you develop an immunity to it. We're just doing the same kind of thing with vaccines. And if you go back and look at the deaths, we had horrendous side effects and deaths in children prior to those vaccinations that we don't have, thankfully now. Um, you know, I came in as sort of a lot of these vaccines. I was trained uh, in medical school and residency about the same time as some of these vaccines were introduced. It was remarkable to see a decrease uh, in admissions to the hospital uh, for instance, with chickenpox or with for meningitis from Haemophilus influenza type B. Dr. Jim. And, uh, yes, sir. Go ahead. Sorry, we got about a minute and a half, and we wanted to squeeze Robert uh, from Gulfport in before the end of the show. Yeah, let's do that. Robert, go ahead. Hey, uh, I got my uh, Johnson Johnson vaccine back on March 15th, and I had to pay for it. And I hear now that they're giving out vaccines, and you can get a $50 gift certificate. Is there anything wrong with me only getting another vaccine and picking up a $50 gift certificate? Um, so if you qualify for a booster, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with it as long as you would qualify to get one. I wouldn't get it just to get it. But if you're in that range, you know, over 65 or if you've had... Uh, well, you know, I'm 61. You, yeah. So I'm not sure that I would totally, you know, that you would totally qualify for that. They are recommending if you... And Johnson for the booster to get one of the messenger RNA ones, which would be either Pfizer or Moderna. And you may want to check into that. Your physician may, you know, or somebody in screening, you may say, yeah, you do, uh, you know, fall into a category that, that you might benefit from that. But I'm not sure you could probably get it, I think. Um, but I, you know, if you really look at the data, you don't technically qualify to get a second one at this point. That may change as we have more data pop out. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart. Thanks for listening to the original Southern Remedy podcast. You can get your medical question answered by sending an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. For a regular dose of medical information, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. The doctor is always in on the original Southern Remedy. Thanks for listening to this MPB Think Radio podcast. MPB depends on support from listeners, so if you can, please contribute today at mpbonline.org.